Spring into reading this season with the Biblio Lifestyle 2024 Spring Reading Guide. In this season's guide, I've handpicked 21 of the best new books and I've organized them across six categories. So whether you're looking for a romance novel that will give you a happily ever after, a thrilling mystery to keep you guessing, or an immersive historical fiction book, this guide has a book or three or seven just for you. Now, if 21 books sounds like too much for you, there's a minimalist reads list in the guide, which includes a list of six must-read books from across genres. But wait, that's not all. The spring reading guide also includes fun recipes, spring activities and lifestyle tips. So head on over to springreadingguide.com and download your copy of the guide. That's springreadingguide.com and download your free copy of the 2024 spring reading guide. So download your free copy and discover your next favourite book. Happy reading! Hi readers, so before we start the show, I have a quick ask. Will you pretty please rate and review the show if you like it? I mean, if you don't like it, well, you know, that's your choice. But if you do like it, rating and reviewing helps other people find a show. So if you take a few seconds and hit those five stars, that helps. And if you take a minute to write something nice about the show, that will help even more. So thank you, thank you, thank you in advance, and alrighty, now on to the episode. Welcome to The Reader's Couch, a podcast that brings you lively conversations with some of your favourite authors and bookish personalities. Over here, the couch is always booked, but I've moved some books to the side table and fluffed some cushions so I can welcome a guest or two to come lounge with us. Today on the couch, we have Charmaine Wilkerson, and she's here to talk to me about her debut novel, Black Cake a story that follows two estranged siblings as they deal with their mother's death and her hidden past. Stay tuned! A historical fiction novel to add to your reading list that's based on the true event of the Auschwitz-Birkenau revolt is Beyond the Wire by James D. Shipman. Beyond the Wire explores the October 1944 uprising behind the walls of the Auschwitz concentration camps through the eyes of fictional characters. The novel gives us a vivid portrayal of the day-to-day life in the camps and it tells the story of the women and men who fought to free themselves and how they held on to hope despite the most dire of circumstances. Beyond the Wire by James D. Shipman is being published by Kensington Books, and it's a historical novel of survival you really don't want to miss. Hi readers, welcome again to The Reader's Couch. I'm your host, Victoria Wood, and here on the couch with me is Charmaine Wilkerson. Hey Charmaine. Hello, Victoria. Thank you for inviting me to join you. It's great to be here. 
Absolutely. I'm thrilled to have you here with me today. Super excited to talk about your debut novel, Black Cake. How excited are you? How are you feeling? You know, this is wonderful. It sounds like a cliche to say this is a dream come true, but it really is. This is my first novel, and I'm just thrilled to know that I can share something I've written with other readers before I was a writer or I was a reader. So I'm excited. Absolutely. And I'm thrilled. Can't wait to hear more readers talk about this book. Well, I want them to hear it from you, Charmaine. Tell us about your novel, Black Cake, and what can readers expect going in? Black Cake is a multi-generational story, so it goes back and forth between the past and the present. In the present day, Black Cake revolves primarily around Byron and Benny, a brother and sister who were once inseparable, but who are now estranged from one another. They haven't talked to one another or seen one another in years, and they are forced to come together because their mother has just died and left them a puzzling inheritance. She leaves them a small black cake sitting in her freezer. A black cake is a traditional Caribbean fruit cake. She also leaves them a lengthy voice recording in which she shares a series of shocking revelations about her life. So Byron and Benny are now forced to take a new look at their mother, at their family, and indeed their own identities. And it's a story that goes, as I mentioned, back and forth between past and present, but it also, in the telling of the mother's story, goes from the Caribbean to the United Kingdom to the United States. Amazing. I really am super curious, Charmaine, about your inspiration behind Black Cake. You know, give us some behind the scenes details on your thought process, you know, the spark that gave you the idea maybe to tell this story. Well, I'm a person who has moved around quite a bit in my life, and I also come from a multicultural family where probably no two people have had quite the same upbringing or even look alike. So I do a lot of thinking about issues like family and identity and shifting concepts of home, and these are issues that do come up in the novel Black Cake, But the title itself now, the inspiration for the title goes back quite some time before I knew I was writing this story. A younger member of my family texted me on my mobile phone to ask me for my mother's legendary black cake recipe. And I was surprised that he would care, that he would even ask for this recipe. And that started me thinking about the ways in which we do inherit family identity and memory and culture through food or other cultural markers and how we choose to keep some things close to our hearts as opposed to others, especially in a multicultural family like mine. But I'm also fascinated by another thing that you will see emerge in the novel Black Cake, and that is the power of the story, Um, the power of stories to help shape our identities, not only when the stories are shared, but also when they are not told. 
Yeah, absolutely. See, I was drawn to the book because of the title Black Cake. And when you were mentioning just earlier about that family member reaching out for that recipe, it brought me back to my own childhood and my grandparents historically baking Christmas cake every year, baking Easter bonds every Easter. And that was something we used to share with the community. It was a very family oriented event, but also a community sharing event as well. So I really resonated with that and just the idea of food being passed down as a legacy and a great way to connect generations, community and siblings. But also on that note, the two siblings in the novel, there has been a rift that has you know grown between them. Could you talk more about each of the siblings, Byron and Benny? So Byron is about nine years older than Benny, and they grew up in California, children of two people from an unnamed Caribbean island, and they were once inseparable. You know, Benny's world began and ended with Byron. And so, but as they grew, they began to grow apart. Byron is the one who's met all his parents' expectations. He's an ocean scientist. He's this drop-dead, gorgeous, super popular person on social media. He's very successful. And Benny is the one who's, she's super bright like her brother, but she's the sort of warm and fuzzy one. All she wants to do is open her own cafe. She's into art. She's taken training in painting and design. And she feels very comfortable with herself as she is. She has a strong sense of identity, but she has struggled all her life against other people's expectations and stereotypes. And here's something that Byron and Benny have in common. And that is that Byron, despite all his success on paper, He's an African-American man, and he struggles pretty regularly, again, with the expectations and stereotypes that other people have, you know, which sort of hem him in, in terms of his aspirations. So these two siblings, once inseparable, have grown apart. They think they're different, but they actually have a number of things in common. And another thing they have in common is they dearly, dearly, dearly loved their effervescent, rambunctious, athletic mother. And now they're in for quite a shock as they learn the truth about her past. Right, right. Absolutely. And hopefully, I'm hoping, because I don't want to spoil the book here, that this black cake that's been in the freezer for some time will bring them together when the time is right. Also, this eight-hour recording that the mom has done, like you mentioned earlier, she's passed away. One would think this recording is, you know, outlining the terms of the estate, you know, maybe money, uh, property, just for argument's sake here. But instead, it's telling her story, her true story and her background. Where did the idea for this recording, because I found it super fascinating, eight hours long, where did that idea stem from? Well, you know, Victoria, I do love the idea of, again, going back to what we said about the story, the power of the story. I like the idea of storytelling. And so I had that idea that their mother would need to reveal details of her past. But we're also in the present day. So she records a message on a USB pen drive. You know, she records it in her computer, puts it on a USB pen drive and gives it to her lawyer. And so this is her way of sharing information with her children, but also doing a kind of storytelling in a verbal way. 
you know, it's like having a one-sided conversation with her kids. And she does record this over a number of days, and it's eight hours long. And it does have vital information that will require Byron and Benny to take action. So it's not just, here's who I am. It also will require them to take action. And through her recording, we also enter a very different world. So I mentioned the past and the present and at its earlier point, the story revolves around these two unusual teenagers, two girls on the cusp of womanhood, who are very different from the other girls of their times in the 1960s in the Caribbean, because they're very strong swimmers. They have a deep connection with the natural world, and they are obsessed with the sea. And this obsession, as well as their physical strength, will change their lives, will determine their destinies. Right, right. So, Charmaine, I want to get into your writing life a bit. Tell us about your writing process for Black Cake. Maybe tie that in with your publishing journey. I mean, how long did it take you to write the novel? Was your publishing journey what you expected? Did anything surprise you? Just tell us about your experience. Well, I should say first that even though I shared my inspiration with you earlier, when I write, I don't tell myself I'm writing a novel. I just tell myself I'm writing scenes. Things often come to me and I work on those ideas so that I started with a scene of these two young women swimming, you know, girls to women swimming in the sea. And then I wrote another story, which ended up being Benny's story, until I realized that I had a novel. And then once I realized that things are connected, whether they be scenes that become a shorter story or a longer story, I might take a pencil and start to scribble on a piece of paper. Some people who talk about writing call that mind mapping, where you just doodle, you literally doodle about things that you have in your story and how that might connect to another issue. And that's how I sort of connected it back to the issues of family and identity. But essentially, I wrote this, you know, in the early mornings on and off while I was freelancing and writing and reading for clients. I come from a background in news and communication. So I was day jobbing and I would write this in the early morning. I, and I also wrote it during residencies, meaning periods when a writer will take time off only to write. I would say that I you know, I wrote it pretty much between 2018 and 2019 and thought I was done and I was so excited. And then I realized that the hardest part of writing is to revise what you've written. And that was interesting for me because I truly am new at novel writing and it's been a fascinating process. And of course, I didn't know that I would find a publisher. But once I did find the amazing publisher with whom I'm working, then there was sort of a final process of polishing everything. And you know, it's been wonderful. It's been wonderful to have that support from professionals, meaning publishers and editors, who are like me. They love books. They love reading. They love stories. But they have a bit of know-how. And they were really wonderfully supportive to me. That's amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. If you could tell your younger writing self anything, Charmaine, what would it be? 
I would have said, start writing, stop worrying about what people will think of what you write. Stop saying you want to write, just do it. Just write a little bit every day and have confidence that the experience of living will make you a better writer. Right, right. Awesome. Are you working on any other projects right now? Any books in our future? I mean, I know Black Cake is new, but I love giving readers any early insights if possible. What do you have going on? Well, I don't talk about my writing ideas until I've really written them enough to present them to other people, but I am working on something else that's long like a novel. And I'm always scribbling what I called scenes or in an earlier response to your questions. And so I've already always have little ideas. And sometimes I think they belong to the longer thing I'm working on. And then I go back and read them and I put a little note next to the title in my computer file. And it usually says something like, no. (laughs) And then I save that because that'll be a short story or another novel. Okay, awesome. I love how you tie in your process with making plans for the future. So that's pretty cool there. But getting into your reading life, Charmaine, because I know we're here to talk about Black Cake, but I know readers love to hear what our favorite authors are reading. So tell us about the last book or books that you finished reading that you'd now recommend. Well, this is one of the last books that I read that I think that someone who reads Black Cake might really enjoy, The Love Songs of W.E.B. Du Bois, which, like Black Cake, goes back and forth between the past and present. And I really love how that story deals with the issue of a young woman in the present day and what she goes through, but also looks back in the past and also refers to culture, specifically things that have been written by W.E.B. Du Bois. So I really enjoyed that book and would be happy to recommend that to anyone who's looking for a very immersive and longish read. Right, right. Absolutely. And it was definitely one of our favorites. It was one of my top 10 favorites for 2021. I had some readers on the show who also loved the love songs of W.E. Du Bois by Honoré Fanon Sheffers. It was, yeah, that's a fabulous read for sure. Yes, I really did love that book. And I'm so glad you mentioned the author's name because I forgot to mention her. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. It's a book that has been shared time and time again on the podcast. So it has been committed to memory. But I'm also just so happy that readers have been enjoying the book and to have authors like you recommend the book as well is just fabulous. Okay, what books, Charmaine, are currently on your bedside table? Or what books are you looking forward to reading in the year ahead? Well, right now I'm reading Can Julie Wang's Beautiful Country. It is a memoir and it's just immersive and beautiful. I've also cheated and done something I should never do. And that is I've already started to read the beginnings of Social Gonzalez's Olga Dies Dreaming and it's marvelous. But you know, I can't do that. Other people can. I really need to stick to mostly one story and just finish it, you know, unless it's something on the side for research. Some other books, I have an endless to-be-read list, and I'm way behind. I don't know if you're interested in hearing a couple of other titles. 
Oh my gosh, yes, we would love to hear those titles. <laughs> well, for example, I have on my list a couple of books from last year that are still waiting on the runway, as it were, and that's Amor Tolls' The Lincoln Highway. Also, I'm interested in reading a completely different book, The Plot, by Jean Hamph Correlates. And there are a number of books that are coming out very soon that are on my list. And one of them is, I'm smiling because I love the title. Everyone loves the title of this book. It's Yinka, Where Is Your Husband? <laughs> by Lizzie Damimola Blackburn. And well, there are just so many books. And I've just named a few. And I think quite a variety because I have pretty eclectic reading tastes. That's wonderful. And our listeners here definitely have eclectic reading tastes. So I know they're super excited to just get a variety of recommendations from you. Thank you so much, Charmaine. And we're looking forward to those books ahead as well. So that's also thrilling. But in addition to books, we love bookstores here on the podcast. We're big supporters for local independent bookstores. And we ask all our guests on the show. So, of course, I'm going to ask you to share with our listeners some of your favorite bookstores. Well, my favorite bookstore is always the independent bookstore that is closest to me or close to someone for whom I wish to order a book. I should say that I spend most of my year living in Rome, in Italy. And so for me, that bookstore in someone else's hometown across the Atlantic in the U.S. or up the road where you are in the U.K. is so important to me because I'll pick up the phone and call and say hi. But it'll be a different one every time. And I hate to choose favorites. But I will say that the last time I was in the UK, we went to visit some of our favorite indie bookstores, and I'm sure I'll forget some of them, but I just a shout out to some of them that have worked so hard to keep readers connected and supplied with books, especially during the pandemic. And, you know, they include Dulwich Books and Village Books in London and Libraria and Book Bar and Booker Bookshop and Lingham's in Liverpool. So I've just thrown out a few names there and I don't want to play favorites. <laughs> it's always hard choosing favorites. I feel the same way about books and bookstores and authors. I just, yeah, it's super hard picking favorites. I love them all. But also thank you for shouting out some bookstores on the show. And you're right. The bookstore closest to you or your loved ones or your friends or just anyone you're buying a book for, that's a favorite. And I just love the fact we can pick up the phone you know, make a call, a book can be delivered, a pickup can be done, a gift card can be sent. It's just, they're fabulous hubs. And of course, they support just all things books, readers and authors. So very grateful for our local bookstores. Oh, absolutely. Okay, Charmaine, bringing things back to Black Cake, how do you want readers to feel after reading this book? I mean, I know you're the author, you've done your job, you've written the story, and now it's up to us readers. But, you know, what reactions are you maybe hoping for or just some thoughts or questions you're hoping readers might have? Well, you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, you finish a book and you start a conversation, but the conversation really gets picked up by readers. But maybe there are a couple of things that I want to mention about the book without mentioning any spoilers. One of those is that this is a book where most of the main characters, not all, 
are people of color. And for me, it was really exciting to be able to just write a story peopled with characters who had different kinds of challenges and weren't only thinking about their family culture, but also dealing with other issues, personal relationships and professional choices and educational issues. And to be able to write characters of color facing many of the kinds of challenges we all face in our lives, no matter what kind of family we come from. I think that I'm not the only one doing this, but I'm glad to be part of sort of a crop of authors who are writing about the lives of people of color without necessarily dealing only in the aspects of trauma or drama, (laughs) even though, let's be honest, Black Cake is full of a lot of drama (laughs) and a bit of trauma. But the point is that, you know, we are multifaceted creatures, whatever your family background. And it's nice to see in contemporary literature, more and more people writing about different kinds of dimensions of what it is like to be a person and specifically a person of color or a black person in Britain or in the United States, for example. So that's something that I'm, I didn't set out to do that, but I feel sort of excited to know that this is a story that is reaching readers from different kinds of families, and they're seeing multifaceted characters of color. Because it's been said before, certainly not by me the first time, that black people in particular are not a monolith. And so just like other people in the world, you know, they have different kinds of experiences and concerns and worries and failings. Yes, absolutely. Our experiences are so varied. I agree. Black readers, black writers, black authors, just black people in general are not a monolith. We have so many different histories, legacies, backgrounds. And I just loved how much Black Kate brought all these different topics and conversations together. So I think it will definitely add to the canon of wonderful reads out there by authors of color. And I just want to thank you again for coming on the show and sharing your book with us. Victoria, thanks so much for reading Black Cake so carefully and lovingly. And thanks for inviting me to join you and other readers to talk about books. Thank you so much for tuning in to The Reader's Couch. You can find out more about the show and submit your questions for our guest by visiting our website, thereaderscouch.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at The Couch Is Booked. If you like the show, please subscribe, share and take a few seconds to leave a rating and review. Next week, I'll be back with new guests, more books and some fun games we can play. But until then, stay lounging, stay reading, and whenever you're in doubt, go straight to your local bookstore or library. Thanks for listening and happy reading.